Welcome. You're listening to Inherited, a sound-rich, solutions-focused youth storytelling podcast about the climate crisis. I'm Shailen Martos, your season three host. In episode two, Paloma Moreno Jimenez wove an original folkloric fiction narrative about the importance of maíz, frijol, and calabaza in indigenous Latin American communities. If you haven't yet listened to Maíces Vida, go do that right now. I got the chance to speak with Paloma during the earlier stages of production about their previous audio work, inspirations for this piece, and adjusting from student life to the professional realm. Here's Paloma Moreno Jimenez. My name is Paloma. Um, I use she, they pronouns. And I, I see myself as a storyteller first most. Um, and currently in my life, an audio storyteller because I've really fallen in love with audio. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Paloma, you've worked in audio for a bit now, which is mm-hmm. awesome. You are an accomplished producer and engineer as well. So can you tell me a little bit about that journey so far and your goals for the future? Oh my gosh, hearing you say that, that means a lot. Um, yes, my journey with it, my junior year of college, um, I did a program through my school where we got to spend three months in New York. And at the same time, we got to do an internship um, so I applied to intern at Radiolab, and this was like zero audio experience whatsoever. I didn't even know what podcasts were, <laughs> um, but I I feel like I love collaging. So mm-hmm. like collaging visually, collaging, like sound collaging, just mixing mediums and stuff to create more like abstract, like textures, like different textures within a story. Um, that represents like the layers, the the complexity of whatever I'm focusing on. Mm-hmm. And so I applied to Radiolab, but at that point, I didn't see it as journalism. It felt very distant, like very unreachable for me to call myself a journalist or like a reporter. You know, at the end, I think like, everybody's journalism is different and um especially for people of color like immigrant folks like inevitably I think you're going to bring your own experience into it um and so coming to terms with a style of journalism that might not be as objective yeah quote unquote and objective so it sounds to me that like including your perspective and then making things very complex, but then also sonically, how to make Mm. things interesting and complex sonically. But I would love to talk about this piece in particular. It's a completely narrative piece about the role of frijol, calabaza, and maíz in indigenous communities. And you made the choice to personify each of these foods as sisters who grew together and died together in the harsh environment that humans created. So What inspired this choice? What inspired this narrative? It really came, one, from my grandma. Um, My grandma passed away when I was, I think, middle school. And 
we had immigrated to San Diego and during the time my sister and I didn't have papers. So we couldn't cross to like visit our family, right? One of the things I come back to often is like a craving for like having my elders around me um, because all of my elders have passed away, unfortunately. Um, so for me, it was a way to reconnect with my grandma as well because she grew up um, in Osorama, Veracruz. And my dad, like oftentimes I'll sit with my dad and just like try to dig his brain <laughs> for like stories of my grandma and who she was and where she came from. Um, my grandma's grandma uh, was Totonaca. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's a part I'm really interested about, but has been hard for me to like find more about. Um, And I know that my grandma grew up, you know, in a rural area, uh, growing corn and making tortillas a mano. Like, like her cooking, her cuisine was incredible. And her tamales were out of this world. And I remember, like, when we would go for Christmases and, like, you know, Navidad, um, she would make the tamales from scratch. And it was just... That's a labor of love. Labor of love. <laughs> yes. Um, so a big part of it is inspired by my abuela and wanting to connect with her. Um, another part is... Maize is so important, so important in, you know, like Mexico, Central America, South America, like, but I grew up with just hearing like maize is vida. In this piece, you essentially are kind of creating your own folklore. And is that kind of influence or connected to the stories that you hear from? the other Latinx communities that you've either been a part of or have supported or were welcomed into? Recently, um, last summer, I went to Guatemala. My dad and I actually did the trip together. When he was younger, he was living in at the border with Mexico and Guatemala, mm-hmm. but he was going to cross over, but he couldn't because of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'd always wanted to come back at one point to you know, get to know the country. We were in La Guatitlan and we did a hike called Rostro Maya. Um, and the tour guide, his name was Mingo. Um, and he is from La Guatitlan. His, he and his family are indigenous to like the first peoples that were from La Guatitlan. And when we were climbing the mountain, we saw these huge, like, maize plants. Huge. Like, I'd never seen, like, maize at all. And my dad and I were just like, sure, great. And Mingo was telling us about the volcanic lands because La Guatitlan is surrounded by volcanoes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the land is so fertile, but it was a whole community who could come and grow their food. It was like shared, you know? And so I got really emotional, I think, because I feel like we really take 
for granted our environment. At least I didn't grow up exactly like understanding what relationship I had with my environment, right? Mm -hmm. And so right now, at this point, you finished three different versions of your script and you're gearing up for your final tracking session. Has this experience helped you grow as a journalist, as someone in audio and podcasting? Yes, 100%. Writing a fiction story was something I hadn't done before, especially Mm -hmm. for audio. It reminds me of what I'm capable of and that I am a storyteller. I think oftentimes I I kind of discredit myself. Um, So I definitely feel like it's helped me grow and feel more confident in my ideas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. A conversation that you and I had very early on. You reached out and, and asked me about hiring in this industry. And we talked about how difficult it is to find full-time work. And I am so proud (laughs) that you have gotten your first full-time job. Yes. (laughs) I think our listeners could really benefit from hearing your perspective on hiring in the industry, especially right now. Oh my gosh, it was a journey. Um, I was on a job hunt, I think around seven months. And I know people who have been in it much longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I graduated last June. Yeah, last year. Um, it's hard. It's it's like you need to have a portfolio, but it's an entry-level job. And so something really precious I learned through uh, my job search journey was beyond applying to full-time jobs I started applying to like projects like Inherited and NPR and Next Gen Radio and those were really helpful experiences because it helps you build your portfolio but also reminds you of like I'm in it and I love it and like what I'm doing is worth it you know and hopefully you get paid for those projects yes no 100% there's a lot of like paid gigs um like pitch calls are really great. Um, and then you get to do your own thing and be your own, you know, manager in a sense of like what story you're creating and how you want it to be made. But yeah, it's definitely difficult. The first three months were hard and then I had to learn to give myself more grace. I know it's difficult as well, like depending on your financial situation. Um, but I think networking, as <laughs> icky as that might 
B, I think I learned a different, what works for me. Mm-hmm. So I think I learned that I want to reach out to people I'm genuinely like just fascinated by and like would love to be friends with <laughs> and just have a genuine conversation, you know, like I think when I started doing that, I started feeling a lot more validated. I think it's just key to start creating an audio com- community. So yeah. like you feel supported and encouraged in the process. Yeah. See, that's that's a really, really great way to rephrase this like really toxic idea of, oh, journalism is all about who you know. Mm. Like, oh, you're not going to get a job unless you know someone high up. But it seems to me like in your experience, it was less about meeting like really impressive people and then getting a leg up that way. But it was about like fostering that community. Mm. I think for a while, I had a lot of ideas, but before I would even explore them, I would shut them down. And one thing a friend told me that we were talking about it and they were like, I'm tired of having a graveyard of my ideas. Like I want to let my ideas live. And I would encourage folks to also um, let their ideas live. They're not going to be perfect. Yeah, let yourself create and you'll figure it out as you go. Um, You're going to grow up a lot through it. (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah, growing pains, you know. Um, Yes. (laughs) Cool. As we wrap up our conversation, I mean, I could sit here all day and talk to you, but (laughs) as we wrap it up, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Yeah, I just did a story in, what was it, March? for Next Gen Radio, and it's about, um, you know, navigating queerness in the home, and I would love to plug that, you know? It was a <laughs> very special story to me. Um, I think I related to it a lot. Um, yeah, the story is called Coming Out and Coming Home. It's on Next Gen Radio's LA USC website. Um, yeah, you can find it there. Great. Paloma, do you have anything else you'd like to share with me? Um, no, that's all. I appreciate you a lot. Um, I really love talking to you every time. And But yeah, I don't have anything else. I just want to say thank you to Inherited for you know letting me explore ideas and create a beautiful story. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Paloma, for making the time to talk with me today. I just really appreciate getting the chance to talk to you and reach out anytime, anytime. Your community will uplift you as long as you pay it forward and you lift as you climb. 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Shaylin. Thank you for joining us for this bonus episode. Season three of Inherited continues Wednesdays, wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, storyteller Mo Isu shares his own memories and the voices of Nigerians adapting to devastating yearly flooding in the Niger Delta region. Inherited is brought to you by YR Media, a national network of young journalists and artists creating content for this generation. We're distributed by Critical Frequency, a podcast network founded by women journalists. 
For more information about our show, team, and storytellers, visit our website at yr.media slash inherited. See you next week.